Hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, great to have you. Thanks for being here. And uh, Happy New Year. You having a good New Year so far? Good, good. Thanks for starting it out by coming and, and, and joining us. I've talked to just a bunch of, of new people that have started attending uh, River Glen, and I want to invite all of you to this event, lunch gathering next weekend. It's called Welcome to River Glen, and uh, we'll tell you all about uh, R- River Glen, answer any questions that you might have. We provide lunch, and uh, child care is a fun uh, gathering, and I'd love to meet you. If you're, if you're inter- interested in attending, just fill out uh, your Connect card and uh, let us know. People ask all kinds of questions at uh, Welcome to River Glen. People ask me questions all the time. People ask me questions in the lobby. Somebody asked me a question recently, and they said, uh, you know, what is it that you drink in your cup on stage? Is it water? And I said, no, coffee. Yeah, I love coffee. How many of you, how many coffee drinkers? You got very many coffee drinkers? Oh, yeah, a lot of coffee drinkers here. Yeah, I'm a big coffee drinker. If you come in here during the week, during the morning, you'll see me walking around with a mug of coffee in my hand. I drink a lot of coffee. I was drinking too much coffee. I don't know, four, five, six cups. And somebody gave me a new cup, and it's really helped me to cut back down. And uh, now I'm just down to one cup. Yeah, great. Great gift. But uh, if I'm honest, one of the reasons I, I drink coffee helps me wake up, you know, in the morning and, and, and get, get going. And I think a lot of people, you know, that's why they drink coffee. Gives them a, a jolt. You know, get up, wake up, get going. That's why you see long drive through lines at McDonald's and Starbucks every day, which leads me into another question. How did you sleep last night? Yeah, are you rested, ready to go, recharged, or is sleep a little difficult? to come by. You know, maybe you're like this guy in this uh, video. Take a look. Hey. Hey. Hey, Insomnia. I know you're trying to be friendly, but I really need to get some sleep. Oh, right. Okay, totally. Big, busy day tomorrow. I know. You want me to list everything you need to do? No, that's fine. Okay, so in the morning you have a meeting. Then you've got to fix your email because that is a total mess. Gotta find some time to schedule that dentist appointment. Oh, and your mom's birthday is coming up. Are you thirsty? No. Are you sure? I only want to be sure you're comfortable. I'm fine. Well, what about your pillow? Is it like weirdly flat, like they took a bunch of stuffing out of it? Ugh. Isn't it crazy how there's no comfortable place to put your arms? Hey, you know what I think is really interesting? What? Every mistake you've ever made. What time do you think it is? I don't know. Do you think it's 2 a.m.? I don't know. Do you think it's 3 a.m.? I don't know. What if you never get to sleep? What if you just stay up all night long talking to me until the sun comes up? It's 1.15. Oh, man. I was way off. What time is it now? Get that thing out of my face! 13. 14. What are you doing? I'm cutting your breaths to help you sleep. How is math going to help me fall asleep? No, I don't know. You should look it up, though. I bet it's interesting. And while you're at it, look up if warm milk actually works. And also the Sandman. Is he named after those gross eye crusties? Huh. Is it both hot and cold in here? Please let me sleep. Okay. Go to sleep. 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 Stop! Just... Shut up! I just need silence! Ugh. Hey, time to get up! Yeah, all of us have had a night like that when sleep is difficult to come by. 
In fact, in 2015, the Center for Disease Control uh, announced a, a study that discovered that insufficient sleep is now a public health concern. One out of three adults struggle with insomnia, which is the inability to, stay, to fall asleep or stay asleep. Uh, another survey asked this question. Imagine that we added another hour to the day. How would you spend that extra hour? One out of four individuals said they would spend that extra hour sleeping because they just don't get enough sleep. I came across this Facebook post. Maybe some of you can relate to this. Dear sleep, I'm sorry I hated you when I was little. Please forgive me. I want you back. And so we try all sorts of things to fall asleep. Maybe you buy a new pillow or mattress. You know, maybe you try one of those sound machines or, you know, earplugs. Or maybe you put some shades, you know, over the window to try and darken the room. Maybe some of you have had a sleep study done to try to help you get more and better sleep. Maybe you've tried taking some sleeping pills. I'll never forget the time I, first time I tried uh, taking a sleeping pill. I went on this mission trip to uh, Nairobi, Kenya. Um, which is an eight-hour time difference. I went with a group of pastors. They recommended going to your doctor and asking for a prescription of Ambien, a, a sleeping pill. And I'd never heard of Ambien, but I followed their recommendation. So we get over there. First night, I fall right to sleep. I'm so tired from the travel. Second night, I'm like the guy in the video. I mean, I'm wide awake, wide-eyed. I look at the clock. It's 2.30 a.m., and we're going to meet for breakfast at 7 a.m. I start thinking, I don't think I'm going to fall asleep but then I remembered that Ambien pill, and uh, I took one at 2.30, which is way too late, and the next thing I know, hotel security's banging on my door, yelling my name because I slept through breakfast, I didn't answer my phone, my friends got scared, they went and got the hotel security uh, to check on me. Ambien might help you fall into a deep sleep, but that can just create some other problems. And many people find that sleeping pills, sleeping aids, they really don't get at the root issue of sleeplessness. Now, some of us, you know, maybe we go through a period or a season when sleep is difficult. You know, maybe you've got some jet lag from traveling overseas. Maybe you bring a, a new baby home and the baby's got days and nights mixed up, eventually you'll be able to get some sleep in about 18 years, okay? Or, you know, maybe your neighbor gets a new dog and the dog just barks all night. Or maybe you're on call at work and you get called into work in the middle of, of the night. You know, we all have seasons where sleep is difficult and we get through those seasons, but that's not the kind of sleeplessness this series is about. Today we're beginning this new series called Insomnia, What Keeps You Up at Night. But we're not really talking about a season in life. We're talking about persistent issues that can just rob us of sleep each and every night. Here's our goal for this series. It's real simple. simple. Our goal is to sleep better. Because I think all of us know what it's like to lie awake at night and our mind is racing in, in overdrive. And we're thinking about all the things that we got to do the next day. And we think, I'm stressed out. I'm concerned. I'm worried. But if we peel back the layers of stress, worry, and concern and go a little deeper, we find something that's at the root of our sleeplessness. And that something is fear. We're afraid something bad might happen. We're afraid of making the wrong decision. We're afraid of what the doctor might tell us about our health or the health of a loved one. We're afraid. We fear conflict in a relationship. You know, we fear losing our job or losing our business, being sued. We fear that we'll never find love 
or stay in, in love. And, and here's what happens. We have all these fears, and they lead to a lack of peace, which leads to insomnia. And we don't know what to do with these fears. We need some help. And so each weekend in this series, we're going to turn to God. We're going to turn to the scriptures to find peace so that we can get more and better sleep. I love the scripture that says that God neither sleeps nor slumbers. And so we're going to take him up on that since he's up anyway. We're going to ask him to take care of our fears and allow us to have, uh, have peace. Each weekend, we're going to talk about a different cause of insomnia. But all of them have this common element of fear. And today really speaks to the fear something bad might happen. Now, if you have a Bible with you, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. Matthew is one of the closest followers of Jesus, also known as uh, disciples. He eyewitnessed many of the teachings and events in the life of Jesus, and he sat down a few years later, and he wrote them out so that we could learn about them. Let me give you a little bit of background about this particular chapter. Jesus and the disciples have had an incredibly busy day traveling from city to city around the Sea of Galilee. They have been teaching, performing miracles, and healing people. It's been exciting, but exhausting. They get to the end of the day, and they need to get away from this crowd. And the only way to get away from the crowd is to get in a boat. So they get in a boat to sail across the Sea of Galilee, which is going to take several hours. But Jesus and his disciples feel comfortable because the disciples previously worked as fishermen, and they knew what they were doing in a boat. But something happens on this boat ride that will help us discover the root of all of our fears. Matthew describes what happens. He says, without warning, a furious storm came upon the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. Now remember, Matthew's in this boat, and he wants us to know how bad it is. And so he uses this word in the original language, the word seismos, for the phrase furious storm. That word seismos, that might sound a little bit familiar it's where we get the word seismograph from. Anybody know what a seismograph measures? All right, measures an earthquake. And so this is a big storm. This is an earth-shaking storm. In fact, Matthew only uses this word three times in his writings about Jesus. He uses it here. He uses it on the day they crucified Jesus to describe how the earth shook in that moment. And then he also used it on the day that Jesus came back from the, from the dead, and the graveyard shook as the stone rolled away. So this is a big word because this is a big storm. The waves are coming over the side of the boat. The eyes of the disciples are just kind of you know, wide open like, like that. And I'm pretty sure that all of us here know, know how it feels to encounter a storm in our life. It comes upon you, it's big, it's loud, you don't know what to do next, you might have a panic attack, you might start freaking out, and not only is it a big storm, it's sudden, without warning. Nobody tips you off that it might be coming. And so, you know, you go to your mailbox, and there's a letter from an attorney or from the IRS, and suddenly everything uh, changes. You open up an email from a trusted friend, only to find out you can no longer trust that person. You go to the doctor for a routine checkup. All of a sudden, they're running all kinds of tests, and they don't really know what the problem is. Many of you know that my wife, Marnie, went through one of these storms about six months ago. She went in for just a routine examination, and they found what they called a, <clears throat> a small area of density in her breast. 
And so they did a, a biopsy, but the doctor uh, reassured us that it was highly likely it was benign. But the next day, she got the phone call that it was cancer, and they began treatment right away. Several people have asked me, How, how's Marnie doing? And uh, she's doing really well. She's doing really good. We appreciate your prayers. They really make a difference. And uh, thank you so much for your prayers, the support of the church has just been amazing. And uh, we're just so grateful uh, for your support and uh, grateful that they caught this early. She's uh, got a few more weeks of radiation and then, and then she's uh, all done. But she shared something with me recently about the whole experience that I thought was really interesting. She said the worst part was not the surgery. The worst part was not the chemotherapy. The worst part was the day she got the phone call and found out that it was cancer. It was so sudden and unexpected. Sometimes storms will pop up out of nowhere, and it is frightening. And this storm surprises and terrifies these disciples. Mark tells us in his version of the story, they think they're going to die because they don't have life vests, and the water just keeps filling up the boat. They're about to drown. They don't know what to do next. They're, they're, they're losing it. Now, I want you to notice something I find very interesting about this story. The disciples, the guys that are in the boat with Jesus, I mean, they're the good guys. They're the friends of Jesus. They had obeyed Jesus. Jesus said, get in the boat. They got in the boat, and now they're suddenly about to lose their lives. Think about that. If there's ever anybody who should have a peaceful river cruise, it should be these guys. They're with Jesus. They're friends with Jesus. They should just kind of float out to the middle of the sea. You know, rainbow should appear over them. Dove should be released. Spells out, you're so precious in the sky. It should just be a hallmark moment for these guys. They're the friends of Jesus. But instead, it's the opposite which tells us that following Jesus doesn't mean we're suddenly storm-free. No, in fact, in this case, it means we're going to get soaked and scared to death. And maybe some of you have experienced this already. You were baptized uh, recently, and now things are even more difficult in your life. Maybe you started giving generously back to God, and now things in your life are even worse. Maybe you just started coming. You came on... Christmas Eve, and now you're back, but, but there was great difficulty getting here. You need to know that following Jesus does not mean the absence of storms, but you know what? It does change the way that we weather them. You see, Christians still battle diseases. Christians still fight temptations. Christians still bury their children. Christians still get cancer. The question is not will we have a storm, but how will we weather a storm? And Jesus is in the midst of their storm, as bad as it gets. And he is the most calming, non-anxious person in the boat. I mean, cool as a cucumber. Which raises the question, where is Jesus? Now, take a look at what Matthew tells us here. Jesus was sleeping. I mean, you know, Jesus doesn't need this series, okay? No insomnia here. The uh, thunder roars and Jesus snores. And uh, I often wondered... You know, I wonder how Matthew felt as he wrote this. If he would use an emoji, was there some sarcasm? You know, maybe, a, you know, Jesus was sleeping, smirk, or maybe, maybe some clenched teeth or, or something like that. Maybe you're wondering, you know, how could Jesus sleep 
through this storm. Well, the boat was so big, they had compartments where you could go and escape the elements. And remember, Jesus had such a busy stretch, he went to one of these compartments to take a nap, and so he just sleeps through it. But while Jesus is dreaming, the disciples are screaming, and they are just freaking out. Look at what it says. Look what happens. The disciples went, and they woke him up, shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. I mean, these guys have been using buckets to bail out the water, but it's filling up twice as fast. They're drenched. They're yelling at each other. And remember, these are fishermen. They knew if they could weather a storm. It's a really bad storm. And they go and wake up Jesus because they want to know, why are you allowing this to happen? They want to know, as Mark tells us, don't you care that we're about to drown? In fact, notice this. Fear causes us to question God's character. Fear causes us to question not God's existence, but God's character. See, these guys did not ask, Jesus, are you strong enough to stop the storm? No, they knew he was strong enough. And they didn't wonder about his knowledge. They knew that he knew enough. What they wondered, do you care? And sometimes I feel that way too. You know, God, I know you're big enough and strong enough, but I wonder if you care. Because sometimes, doesn't it feel like Jesus is in the back of the boat sleeping while we go through a storm? You know, maybe you pray for your, your, your kids to make better decisions and your kids get even more out of control and it just feels like Jesus is sleeping during your storm. Maybe you pray to feel better or for somebody that you love to feel better and you feel worse. And it feels like Jesus is sleeping and you wonder if he cares. Fear causes us to question God's character. Fear erodes our trust in God. Here's a quote I thought that just nailed it. Fear is betting against God. And that's a losing bet every time. And that's why Jesus stands up and he proves to be the calmest person in the boat. And look at what he says here. He says, he says why are you so afraid? Why do you have so little faith? And then look at what Jesus did. He got up and rebuked the wind and waves. Suddenly there was a great calm. Really, he did two miracles here. He calmed the wind. He calmed the storm. And then he calmed the waves. He calmed the water. Normally, it would have taken hours and hours for the Sea of Galilee to calm down. The Sea of Galilee is big. It's 13 miles long and seven miles wide. Only God could demonstrate power over the wind and the waves. But I want you to notice something here. Notice how Jesus spoke to the disciples first, and then he spoke to the storm. I, I know when I encounter a storm and I start freaking out about something, I go to God and I say, God, here's what I need you to do. Here's what I need you to fix. Right now, God, do it. But it's as if God goes, whoa, 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 whoa. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. But first, I want to calm the storm within you before I calm the storm around you. That's why Jesus speaks to the disciples first and then to the storm. And that's the model that he uses for us. Now, I don't know if he'll calm the storm around you, but I know that he is caring enough and capable enough to calm the storm within you every single time. The question is, will we allow him to do that? Some of you right now are going through a storm and it's keeping you up at night. Maybe it's a, a health issue. Maybe you're, maybe you're facing an addiction that just keeps coming back. Maybe it's a financial issue. Maybe it's your kids going their own direction. Maybe it's aging parents fading away. Whatever it is, take a look at this. Peace comes when you realize Jesus is in the boat with you. And that's why Jesus spoke first to the disciples and then 
to the storm. But I think Jesus begins to really get at the root of our fear, really all of our fears that keep us awake at night. When he asks these guys this question, why are you so afraid you have so little faith? He uses two words here, fear and faith, that compete against each other in our lives. And he says, here's the relationship between the two. When fear is up, faith is down. Because fear causes us to question if God cares or can even do something about what we're afraid of. Fear leads to a lack of peace, which leads to insomnia. But then he tells us the exact opposite is true. When our faith goes up, fear goes down, and it leads to something much better. In fact, our faith will lead to peace, which leads to more and better sleep. Now, peace doesn't mean that you go through a season in your life where there's no storms. Peace means that as you go through your storm, you have faith that God is with you every step of the way. Now, here's what I think is so relatable for us about this story, and I think so powerful about the story. The reason uh, the disciples were afraid, the reason they were scared is because they had legitimate fears. I mean, we, we can't really blame them. I mean, they could have drowned. They could have died that day. And, and for many of us, the reason we're afraid, the, the reason we're awake at night is because we're afraid of something that could actually happen. We have legitimate fears. Our what-if questions could turn into I did statements. I did lose my job. I did lose that relationship. I did get sick. I did make the wrong decision. I did find out I wasn't as safe as I thought that I was. But Jesus tells us it's possible for us to not be afraid, even if we have legitimate fears, because he's bigger than what we're afraid of. He's bigger than the storm. He proved it. And that's why as our faith goes up, our fear goes down. And these storms that we encounter, they present themselves as opportunities for us to either grow our fear or grow our faith. And so storms are great opportunities to actually put our faith and trust in the one who's bigger than our fears. Now, sometimes people will ask me this question. They'll say, they'll say this. They'll say, can you have faith even when you have a little bit of fear? And the answer is yes. Because if you're never afraid, if there's not something that presents a real fear, then we don't need faith. We don't need God. But it's an opportunity to put our faith and trust in God. And you know what? In some ways, a little bit of fear, some fear is, is good for us. It's healthy for us. It, it helps us, to, it motivates us to make wise decisions and, and to rely on, on God. I know for me personally, I feel afraid every time I come up here and speak. And I've been doing this for a long time. I've been doing this for many years, multiple services each, each weekend. But every time, I, I, I get a little tense feeling uh, when I come up here. I, I, just, I just do. But I think that's a good fear. Now, if I was backstage, curled up in a fetal position, sucking my thumb, saying, please, I don't want to go out there, that's different. But that only happens like once a month, you know. But some fear can be good. It's part of being human. But then there's a bad kind of fear, an unhealthy fear that robs us and cripples us and causes us to miss out on God's best for you. And here's what I notice about this kind of bad fear. It's very, very difficult to follow Jesus when you live with this kind of fear because you avoid risk-taking, you get stingy about everything, you're nervous toward everyone, you trust no one. Reminds, actually reminds me of our cat at home. We got this cat we've had for 10 years named Ellie. And uh, Ellie 
has some major fear issues. You, you've heard the phrase scaredy cat? Yeah. Okay, that is Ellie. And we've had her for 10 years. The first four years, she really did not have anything to do with us. She wouldn't come to us. We would look at her. She would run away from us. And it wasn't just us. She was afraid of everybody. But for some reason, after four years, she began to gradually trust us more and, 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 and more. And last night, I mean, she's on the couch. She does this every night. She's on the couch with us. And she, she wants us to pet her all the time. She's kind of clingy, even. And uh, we, we actually miss the old scaredy cat, Ellie. But um, I, I look at her, and I think, you missed out on so much life because you lived in fear. Fear never leads to anything good. Fear causes us to question God's character. And I wonder if some of us here are missing out because of fear. Maybe you could find a better job if you weren't so fearful. Maybe you would have better relationships if you weren't so fearful. Maybe you'd give your life to Jesus if you weren't fearful. Maybe you'd get baptized. Maybe you would join a small group or volunteer or go on a mission trip if you weren't so fearful. Fear robs our life. That's why this is such a big deal to God. Did you know that throughout the scriptures, the phrase, do not be afraid or fear not, occur 365 times in scripture? One for every day of the year. The Bible says more about this subject than any other because God knows what our life looks like when we're full of faith instead of full of fear. And so this week, I want us to think about how can I have my faith go up so that my fear goes down. This week, I want you to wrestle with a couple questions. I want you to ask yourself a couple questions. Here's the first one. What am I afraid of? This isn't just what am I stressed out about or concerned about. In fact, if that's our first response in our, in our mind, we, we need to go deeper. We need to peel back the layers and ask, what am I really afraid of? What's keeping me up at night? And when we identify that fear, we can ask this next question. What would it mean to have faith in God about this very thing? What would it look like to have my faith go up so that my fear goes down, where I trust God is bigger than this, this fear? Because this will lead to peace, which will lead to better sleep. I'll tell you what's helped, uh, something that's really helped Marnie and I get sleep uh, during the last uh, six months. I mean, we've had several nights over the last six months where it's been difficult uh, to, to fall asleep. The night before the test results, uh, night before surgery, night before chemo beginning. But I tell you what helped our faith and brought us peace so that we can sleep. And it's this one thing, prayer. Prayer, I'm telling you, prayer is a major weapon against fear. Now, you know, we don't have any magic prayers or, or magic words. It's just, it's just open in your heart and just talking to God. S several nights we couldn't fall asleep and we would pray out loud together and just give the fear to God. And it's amazing how God uses prayer to make our faith go up and our fear go down so that we find peace and go to sleep. And so over the next uh, several weeks, uh, we're going to look at some common fears that all of us face, and uh, we're going to learn how to use these as opportunities to build our faith so that we can have our faith go up and our fear go down. Here's a list. Here's some of the fears that we're going to be talking about. Next week, I'm afraid of disappointing God. And then I'm afraid I'm not a good enough parent. And then a really big one, I'm afraid of death. And our goal is to get the sleep 
that we need. In fact, one of the wisest men who ever lived, look at this verse that Solomon uh, wrote in the Old Testament. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep, I love this word, your sleep will be sweet. And that's our goal for this series. As our faith goes up, our fear goes down, and our sleep will be uh, sweet. And faith will just impact every area of our life. And so we're asking everybody to be here each weekend of the series. And this is a great series to invite somebody to come along on the journey with you. If you can't be here, watch it online or download our app. You can watch or listen to all the messages and keep up that way. If you're not yet part of a small group, this is the perfect time to join one of our short-term insomnia groups and just go through this content together because we learn best, we grow best, we build our faith best when we gather together with other people in, in circles and share the journey together. So this is the perfect time to uh, join a, a group. Actually, this Thursday night is an opportunity. This Thursday night, 6.30 in the lobby by the fireplace, we're going to launch insomnia, short-term insomnia groups. And so you can just show up Thursday night, 6.30, uh, by the fireplace in the lobby. Or you can come to this event that we have coming up. There's a card. If you'll take that out, there's a card in the program. It says group link on it coming up on, on Sunday, January 22nd. This is a great opportunity. We provide lunch. We provide childcare. Great opportunity uh, for you to meet group leaders and explore open uh, groups. Just fill out that card and put it in the offering bag. I'm telling you, gathering with other people will help our faith go up and our fear uh, to, to go down. Gathering in, in, in circles, small groups, and gathering in this room in our weekend services. Right now we're gonna move into a time of, of, of communion together. And uh, if this is new to you, if this is all new to you and you wanna take a pass on it, that's fine, but our communion is open. Communion is an opportunity for those of us to, that follow Jesus to once again remember what he uh, did for us by sharing communion uh, together. I'm gonna ask the ushers to go ahead and, and begin passing uh, the trays. I do wanna ask you uh, to do communion differently. We're gonna do communion differently today. I want you to hold the cups. As the tray comes by, just uh, take the cup and hold on to it, and then I'll come back up and I'll lead us to take it together. <laughs> 